0: So that was a little better than the last introduction. Welcome back to Rabbit Candy Podcast, where once again we bring the pentacle of B-movie entertainment and stuff. Um, uh, and, and, and stuff? that That's what you wrote? So that's where we're at, huh? Stuff. Right. I, I really want to fire my writers slash producers, um... Wait. What do you What do you mean? I I can't. The director said I couldn't. You mean mom, right? Okay. So apparently I'm not in charge of my own podcasts. I tried to fire these guys last time, but my a director slash wife said I couldn't. Apparently I can't this time. You know when I ask why not? Is it because they're only kids. You know what? It's a cruel world. It's better they learn this from me than from somebody else. I mean, it's called growing up. Yeah, I know, they're only 11 and 13, but you know what? That's, That's life. Well, enough about my domestic bliss. That's not why we are here. Today we are here to discuss a true cult classic, one that is ripe for remake. Today's Journey into Badness is... The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, Across the Eighth Dimension. Yes, well that's a bit of a mouthful, but uh, that's actually part of its charm. Where do you even start with a movie like this? Like most cult classics, it didn't achieve initial cinematic success. The movie was actually about as successful as Mango Chili is Good. And if you're one of those folks that think Mango Chili is good, please get some help. However, Gene Siskel of Siskel and Ebert did prophetically predict that Buckaroo Banzai would become a cult classic. The incredible cast of eventual A-list talent sealed the fate of this movie with ease. However, the timing of this movie's release and the relatively unknown nature of the production company doomed its success and the expected sequels. While cinematic sequels were lost, the story adapted well to comics books, and drinking games that are really fun and extremely irritating to spouses. But where did it all begin? How did the magic start? Getting the story to the big screen was like navigating a moving obstacle course while drinking. It was a little hit and miss. The creator, one Earl MacRouch, began his writing career at Dartmouth College with the novel Dirty Pictures from the Prom a book that accurately predicted my senior prom when my 1981 Dodge Omni blue attire in the rain and my girlfriend thought it would be funny as hell to take pictures. While the book did little for my fortunes, it did lead to a collaboration with W.D. Richter, who worked at Warner Brothers Studios at the time. Richter hooked up Mac Rouch with producer-director Erwin Winkler, who was responsible for such films as Goodfellas, Rocky, and Creed. While working, Mack Rouch talked with Richter about developing a character named Buckaroo Bandy. He wanted to write a screenplay for it, and Richter paid him $1,500 to develop it further. Now at this point I'd like to admit that I am developing an incredibly mediocre podcast with some limited potential. But there's no line outside of people trying to pay me to develop it. Trust me, I've checked. Well, that's not exactly true. The guys at the blood bank do pay me a little bit. I am a little woozy, though. Some of the earlier treatments include a draft called Find the Jet Car, said the president, a buckaroo bonsai thriller. Eh, that doesn't exactly roll off the tongue. And if you have to give out a spoiler alert every time you say the title of your movie, you may want to rethink that naming strategy. Another aspect of Buckaroo Banzai that catapulted into the B-movie stratosphere is the entire basis for the characters. While the stories are fairly original, the characters themselves are a hodgepodge of personalities, most notably influenced by the Doc Savage pulp magazines of the early 30s and 40s. That's where we see stark similarities in the genesis of Buckaroo and the Hong Kong Cavaliers. The characters were surgeons, scientists, and engineers. Basically, every major I tried in college before I ended up in psychology in order to deal with my many dismal college failures. And if we're being perfectly honest, the other reason why I went into psychology was there was this with and and wow. I'm glad no one actually listens to this podcast. That would have gotten me into a lot of trouble. The plot of this movie is simple. A scientist slash inventor named Buckaroo Banzai develops a device that enables him to travel straight through seemingly solid matter. I won't debate the science of this because they explain it in the movie. I also suck at physics and it might be fictional. Now this scientist slash inventor is also a doctor specializing in neurosurgery. He is also a crime fighter, adventurer, who moonlights as a rock star. Because he just has that kind of time. Hell, I feel like Thor holding Mighty Mjolnir every time I mow the lawn. So you can imagine Buckaroo's level of self-satisfaction. Moving on. When he goes through that solid mountain, he encounters lifeforms who, lo and behold, have had counterparts here on Earth for some time, waging war on one another. With humanity caught right in the middle. When you think about it, it's kind of like an election, only with aliens who are at war with one another. So it's, it's, it's exactly like an election. So let's recap. We have medicine, music, physics, race cars, aliens, and so much more. If it seems as disjointed as a contortionist, that's just an aspect of the writer's tenuous grasp on cinematic sanity. There's more, but spoilers. As ridiculous as this movie was, even from 1984, it was prophetic in its comparison to modern times. And tell you what, let's skip to the cast and we'll finish up with the rest of the nitty gritty later. Tell you what, let's skip to the cast and we'll finish up with the nitty gritty later. This was one of the most incredible all-star cast that was ever assembled. Unlike one of those all-star romantic comedies, this movie won't destroy your digestive tract and make you want to clean your eyes and ears out with acid. We'll start at the top with Buckaroo himself, Peter Weller. You'll probably remember him from the original RoboCop as police officer Alex Murphy. A determined cop turned unfortunate modern art masterpiece turned cyborg with an attitude. Weller has had an interesting TV and movie career. His early career through the 90s was mostly movies, both cinematic and made for TV, with some occasional TV shows. After the millennium, he did substantially more television and voice work along with movies. His work in television wasn't just in front of the camera. His work behind the camera consisted of directing 25 episodes of various series and two TV movies. Now, putting aside the fact that Peter Weller has had an enviable career, playing characters that will be as immortal as a can of spam, there are three Weller works, in my opinion, that everyone must see. One, of course, is The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. The second is Robocop. And finally, a work of unbearable strangeness. That's right, I'm talking about Naked Lunch. If you haven't seen this movie, I don't have the words to adequately describe the level of insanity this movie exudes. Honestly, if any of you can figure that shit out, please let me know so I can stop watching it once a month in an effort to discern some hidden meaning. It's like the freaking Da Vinci Code on acid, which is actually fairly close to the plot. So I'm Buckaroo Banzai. Weller plays the title character with the brilliance of a good halogen headlight. It made me want to learn fictional physics, medicine, and music. However, after drinking profusely, I didn't want to find the eighth dimension as much as I wanted to find the eighth hundredth milligram of Motrin. These days, along with acting, Peter Weller also has a doctorate in Italian Renaissance Art and Roman History from UCLA. Some of his work can be seen on the History Channel. He is also a professor at Syracuse University, where he teaches fine arts and literature Interestingly enough, um, like Buckaroo Banzai, he is in a band. It's a jazz band called the Mildred Schnitzer Orchestra with Buckaroo co-star Jeff Goldblum, who is an accomplished pianist. So Peter Weller is in fact Buckaroo Banzai, not only on the big screen, but in real life. I don't know where he finds the time to do all this stuff, because for me, just mowing the lawn is grounds for having a beer. Next up, we have the bad guy, Dr. Emilio Lazardo, a.k.a. John Morphin, played by the great John Lithgow. Like most of the actors in this movie, Lithgow wasn't nearly as famous as he is today, so seeing him in this movie as an alien bad guy is especially amusing. He commented that he was worried about playing characters that go so over the top, as he nearly did in The Twilight Zone when he was channeling William Shatner during the plane sequence. As the human, Dr. Lazardo, that was taken over by an alien from Planet 10 via the 8th Dimension and New Jersey, he was completely over the top all the time. His performance was so ridiculous that Peter Weller had trouble not laughing at the dialogue between Lithgow and Christopher Lloyd, as, you know, his character was supposedly being tortured. Even Lithgow's walk was a bit over the top as he used a crab-like lope rather than the normal heel-toe. Lithgow had already received critical acclaim for his theatrical work in the Broadway play The Changing Room. He also had well-reviewed performances in The World According to Garp and Terms of Endearment which gave him Oscar nominations. His college career is similar to Peter Weller's in that he has a degree in history and literature. He also has a connection to UCLA as he met his wife there. Like Weller, he was a super nerd. NERD! Little may you know, Lithgow was also involved with the Star Wars series, playing Yoda in NPR's version of Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. (laughs) He was probably the most famous for Third Rock from the Sun. There were a few big misses in his career. One of Lithgow's big misses was the role of Fraser Crane, which was actually written with him in mind. He was also one to play Doc Brown in the Back to the Future series, which went to his Buckaroo co-star, Christopher Lloyd. Oh, this is heavy. Arguably the most famous actor in this film was the insanely cool Jeff Goldblum. And what a cool career he's had. He's done every genre of TV and movie. He's done such movies as Body Snatchers, The Big Chill, Silverado, The Fly, Jurassic Park, and Independence Day. As previously mentioned, he's also an accomplished musician as in a jazz band with his Buckaroo co-star, Peter Weller. Our next star is Clancy Brown. And if you're wondering who that is, look up the first Highlander movie. It should have been the first and only Highlander movie. Um, and in that movie, he played the Kurgan. Along with Buckaroo Banzai and the Highlander, some other notable movies and TV shows he was in include Shawshank Redemption starship troopers er and my personal favorite hellbenders that was a b-movie horror comedy that rivaled evil dead 2 and its cinematic impact with brown's deep voice he found his true calling as a voice actor he lent his voice to almost every major cartoon or video game i mean the man was lex Luthor for god's sakes i have something to say it's better to burn out to fade away. We also see a young Ellen Barkin as Penny Purdy. Barkin's first uncredited role was in the Cheech and Chong classic, Up in Smoke. And between that movie and Buckaroo Banzai, she acted in ten movies and two TV shows. Ms. Barkin has a total of nearly 70 acting credits to her name, uh, the funniest one being Drop Dead Gorgeous in 1999. One of the more famous actors in this movie was Christopher Lloyd as John Big Lloyd's Hollywood career is the stuff of a legend. His first credited role was in One Flews Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He has also been in some of the most culturally significant films and TV of the last 46 years. Some of those credits include Taxi, Back to the Future, Clue, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, He also did episodes of Cheers and The Addams Family with Buckaroo Bonsai co-star Dan Hedaya. Lloyd has also lent his vocal talents to a number of video games and animations. His career has been an insane ride of pure coolness. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. One actor in this movie you may find interesting is Ronald Lacey as the president. More than likely, you wouldn't recognize him or his work, with one exception. His role in Raiders of the Lost Ark as the scary German guy. You probably don't remember his name, only that he was the scary German guy. Shoot them. Shoot them both. Whoa, easy there, partner. I think you need to do everybody a favor and switch to decaf. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension was due to be released in the summer of 1984. It faced some stiff competition, however, with Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, Ghostbusters, and Star Trek 3, which coincidentally also starred Christopher Lloyd. Unfortunately, it did not fare too well at the box office, earning back less than half of its production costs. This caused the studio, Sherwood Productions, to go out of business, and with it, the scrapping of what would have been some pretty incredible sequels. It did achieve some critical responses, though, and through that it spawned a number of books, comics, and video games. There was also talk of a television show in the works. The movie now has a cult following, ranking number 43 in Entertainment Weekly's Top 50 Cult Movies. The Guardian is also included in their list of 1,000 movies to see before you die. So it's pretty darn halfway bouquet. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the 8th Dimension. And now a word from our sponsors. At Rabbit Candy Podcast, it isn't easy making the magic happen. For most of our budget, I can sell blood. For everything else, we have mediocre sponsors. Most people with a soul would never associate themselves with most of our sponsors, but for us, beggars can't be choosers is our motto. First off, we'd like to thank the makers of kombucha. Kombucha. For those times when you want to fool yourself into thinking you're drinking something healthy when what you really want is booze. Kombucha. We're not sure exactly what the hell it is or what it does, only that it tastes like spicy feet. Mmm, this sucks. And antibiotics, because after drinking weird fermented yeast and bacteria, we're praying that rash and weird organ trail disease is just a simple infection. Antibiotics, because we love risky food products. Well that's all the time we have for today. Join us next time when we take a look at two movies chronicling the adventures of Hunter S. Thompson. The first one, Where the Buffalo Roam, starring Bill Murray, and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, starring Johnny Depp. If you like what you've heard, please consider lending your support by clicking the support icon. Your contribution will allow us to continue our B-movie and contemporary arts journey by providing the support we need for upgrades, purchasing of content to review, and the one resource there's never enough of, time. If I don't get your support soon, I might have to debase myself by doing something drastic, like getting a job. From Rabbit Gandhi Podcast, you have yourself an above-average day. Goodbye and good luck.